you for leaving reviews and following A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine on all podcast streaming platforms, making it the number one go-to podcast for Black creative, marketing, PR, and tech professionals. Season six of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine podcast is fueled by Jet. And for our 100th episode, we're chatting with Dalen Gall, president of Jet. Huge thanks to Jet for being an inspiration to podcasters such as myself and amplifying Black voices and narratives since 1951. Well, now that we've shared a dose of Black joy with you, let's turn things up a notch on today's episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Good, good, good. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I mean, my my question to you is, EJ, what took you so long to get here? <laughs> I was waiting on the invite, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what took you so long to get here? But um, I'm really excited to uh, dive, um, you know, not only into your career, but everything that uh, you've been up to, everything that you've done in the past, and just your overall thinking of the world. Um, so if you're good to go, I'm good to go. I'm good. Let's roll. I love it. Well, as always, welcome one and all to another episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Season six, can you believe it? And um, this season, we actually hit our 100th episode. So um, 100 people to date, I have been, uh, you know, uh, talking to on this. And I'm really, really excited about uh, having our guest on today, uh, EJ. And that is because, um, I mean, when I think about not only people that are buttoned up, but also people that will push you to be more buttoned up. <laughs> respectfully, oh respectfully, I said, I said respectfully now, seriously, that's a great thing. EJ comes to mind. So EJ, welcome to a dose of black joint caffeine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And I appreciate the button up comment. Uh, literally as I'm in a full button up, that's actually really funny. <laughs> Most days I'm in a, in a t-shirt. So <laughs> no, that's nice. That's nice. Listen, it's, if, if it's a button up, it's a sharp button up, trust me. But for the people listening, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Yes. Um, so currently I'm a DEI program manager at Google. I'm responsible for leading and operationalizing a lot of, uh, the central DEI efforts across the Android platform team is about an organization of 4,000 Googlers. And it's an exciting opportunity to think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, not just on the people front and the workplace, but also um, how we think about product uh, inclusivity as well. And so it's both uh, looking at DEI through the lens of inside the organization, again, workplace, people, and culture, as well as external. So the things that our, our customers use most often, which is the, the Android platform and its uh, ancillary uh, products and services. I love it. Beautifully said. I mean, I think anytime when you're dealing with that magnitude of work, 
you have to make sure that you have um, all your ducks in a row. And EJ is being very humble because outside of that, he also specializes in establishing systems, excuse me, of shared accountability in the development and maintenance of more equitable as well as inclusive workplaces, consumer products and services. So what I really love about your role, EJ, is that you're not only thinking about it, you know, internally, but you're also thinking about it externally. EJ has experience in producing DEI programming, marketing content for Fortune 500 companies, and something that is not mentioned on your bio, which I definitely want to get to, and you can shut me down because we do this a lot on this show. I get shut down a lot, as you can imagine. <laughs> did you or did you not do a project with Oprah at one point? I did. I did. And that that I should update my bio with. Like that's. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm like, either EJ's being humble or he's still on that Oprah NDA. I'm like, dang. <laughs> I'm like, shout out to you, Oprah. So we'll get to that project. But in his spare time, EJ enjoys a wide range of restaurants, digging through the crates of his favorite music streaming platforms. With over seven years of experience, EJ is committed to a fresh perspective and collaborative approach to each team that he works with. So my friend, EJ, welcome to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> the hundred episode—that's an incredible milestone. It really is. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you know, it's because of guests like you that that I'm able to do this. I always like to say, you know, you all—the people that come on this podcast—you're the joy, you know. And I'm the caffeine. Well, because I mean, you know this—I'm extra. So that's why I like to say I'm the caffeine. Oh yes. So, question for you. If you were on a deserted island and you only had three music artists that you could bring the entire discography for, you mentioned that you go through the crates of your favorite music streaming platforms. What three wow. Black artists discography would you bring on that deserted island with you? Oh my gosh. Um, well, because we're in Renaissance season, knee okay. deep into it, of course, I'm gonna have to say and lead with Beyonce and just get the whole discography of hers situated and put in the backpack. Um, and you know what? I'll even throw in Destiny's Child. So yeah. Oh, I'm glad you did. That's that's a wonderful plus plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. The second one would be, um, I think about, uh, you know, maybe some Kirk Franklin. I you know, I, mm -hmm. I always enjoy a Kirk Franklin track and, and my spirituality is everything to me. And if I'm on a deserted island, I know I'm going to need a little bit of Jesus in it. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. So, you know, let, let me tap into my provider real quick. I should have led with that. So Lord forgive me. Um, <laughs> and the the other artists, I would probably say, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, dude, but I have classical roots background. Right? I think and, I do remember that. Yeah. And I play a little bit of the harp and piano and all that stuff. And so I I would have to do a stretch and a reach on this one, but there's like argument to believe that Mozart is, he got some black up in him. Okay, I can tell so, by that fro he had. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. thank you. So that hair texture alone tells me enough that I need that I need to know. So I would throw yeah. in a little bit of Mozart in there just to, to find my zen, you know? So I got the range of Beyonce, got, got some Kirk and, and some, some Mozart. I'll take it. I'll really take that. <laughs> I think that that's pretty, I think that's pretty cool. You know, um, I love your bio because I think that um, it, it's such a makeup of who you are and everything that you stand for. But at the core, 
it's also very, very humble, which I think that you have always been because you're such an extraordinary individual. I think that it, I don't care whatever room I'm in, I'm going to guess EJ. I'm going to be like, no, EJ is that person. EJ is better than all y'all. But oh man, <laughs> sometimes you just need a loud friend to do that. Um, but as you're going through, I think, you know, your bio and you think about the early beginnings of your career, what would you say is the the, the through line that you notice um, is something that you think about through all the work you're producing? I think about, um, this is a fantastic question, and I've been thinking about my red thread of my career for probably the last couple weeks, maybe a month or two or so. Um, and I landed on the idea that every opportunity that I've entered in, whether it's moving geographies or taking on a new kind of project, is always a willingness to learn. Everything that I touch, I'm always trying to learn something in it. I don't ever assume that I'm the expert. I may come in with some level of specialty or I may have uh, knowledge that I've built up through experience, but I don't ever assume that I know it all. And mm -hmm. there's always something for me to learn about in the moment and every every project that I touch is different from the last one and so that's the benefit of walking in, in in an environment with that mindset and being able second to that always willing to learn and then always being able to think about how do I bring people together right I'm always rooted in the people that I work with and to me that community matters a whole lot because that's how we generate the best work when people come into uh, the conversation on, and at the table, really willing and able to contribute in full selves and with their with their brightest ideas to to the work to the problem that we have to solve, and being able to harness that energy together is is the gift that I I love to display. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that beautiful answer. And also, you talking about bringing people together. I mean, what would you say is your collaboration style? You know, I think about, I usually over index in the folks who are quiet in the room. That's where I start the most. Oh, you know, that's good. I like that. You know, yeah. Folks, folks who, who, who come in with opinions and thoughts and like those strong leaders who have a little bit of a brazen energy, you know, they're, they're good. They're going to let their <laughs> ideas and we're going to give it space and we're going to make sure that we take good note of it and all that. But for me, I'm always listening to the voices who aren't always the loudest. And I think that's an edging out space for them to come in. And so for me, my collaboration style is rooted in finding equity in, in the conversation. And that's a, another red thread across my work as well, is always thinking about where can we make either the, when, when I was doing marketing work, making that marketing uh, content equitable and in terms of this representation, or even the teams behind the scene who are touching that work. And even in the room, making sure that the conversations are balanced. And so I think my collaboration style indexes in finding balance in the conversations always. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I, I can certainly tell that. I mean, you've worked on some huge projects and I mean, I think that that's the only thing that could really come to mind, at least for me. And I think that it takes, it sometimes you have to, you know, it takes, it takes one to know one, but I'm like, I can only imagine the amount of people that you're dealing with, not, not in a bad way through these big projects, you know, so it takes somebody that understands collaboration to get that done. So well done, my friend. Well done. Thank you. You know, I've been reading this book by one of my good friends, Marcus Collins. It's called For the Culture. And um, what I really love about it is that the book, I've read it twice. Um, I, I'll actually send you a copy if you haven't read it yet. But 
it feels like there are things that I'm now starting to miss that we're actually lacking. If you had to give the culture a dose of something for the culture, what do you feel like the culture needs a dose of that may be currently lacking? Now, everybody know this question coming up on the podcast and they always, <laughs> they don't know. That is a good question. And I think about um, patience, you know? Mm -hmm you know, pa patience in, in a world where there's a lot of false, where there's a lot of sense of false urgency, as I will say, is, oh, is yeah. you know, everything is always due tomorrow. And I'm, for me, I always say, why? What's, <laughs> what's contributing to this deadline? Why, yeah. why do we need to get this done, like, within the umpteenth hour? You, ju you just yeah. briefed me. You know, patience, pa patience with each other. I think we're, particularly in this world where we're, we're in a hybrid work environment and thinking about um, connections to people, we're, we're confined to these, you know, six inch squares on our screen, right? And we're not always getting the full context of another individual across the table or in, in, in a video conference. And I think that we can build a lot of assumptions very quickly in, in another person without getting the, the full magnitude of who they are. And so we are quick to make biased uh, assumptions about a person not knowing their story. So if there was patience in the mix around, you know, hey, I don't know what this person is going through. When I when I close my laptop and I'm no longer a, uh, a person who's six inches tall on a screen, yeah, yeah. you know, I have I live a full life. Yeah. As do they, right. So let me extend some patience over here and understanding and and make sure, you know, I'm not coming to the conversation with you know, uh, pre preconceived notions that may or may not even be true. And so I think about um, patience in a lot of ways. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of rush. And if you listen to the world, it will have you spinning so fast. And I think yeah. leaning into patience also extends itself into rest, moments of rest and, and recollection. Oh, beautiful. And trust me, I love all that because that feels like that gets me closer to a beach on Jamaica. If I'm patient and I need to rest, that means that I need to take a vacation and actually go to Jamaica. So I'm with it. Reminder to myself to book that flight tonight. Okay. okay. So question. <laughs> I know that you had a great run at RGA. Um, for many of you that may or may not be familiar with RGA, RGA is an innovative lab. Um, they're also an amazing advertising agency. But then you make this jump to tech. Something yeah. that I hear so often is, and not to say that EJ said this by any means, but there's a thing that some people in advertising say once they're in tech is that I got out of advertising. What does that mean? What do you think people are trying to say when they say that? Is there a clear, is there is there a separation between tech um, and advertising, or are you just simply transferring skills, or are you getting out of a particular industry and jumping into another one? Yeah, I think the I think the I can understand that statement, and and I can understand it through the lens of the business. The businesses are fueled by different different uh, uh, offerings. You know what I mean? Like a, like an advertising business is really rooted in developing or, or selling its creative uh, intellectual property to on and on behalf of a client to sell a product or a service and making sure that that thing is growing right there's growth on behalf of this product and service and so that's how advertising's very simply generate their revenue right i think about rev revenue drivers and for tech 
particularly in tech that's based in ad services. Um, you know, the, the thing that tech is, that, that drives revenue for tech is data and information, right? That, that can then be captured in, uh, and, and sold to marketers, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and advertisers. And I don't know, I think the, the problems to solve are a little different as well. And so I can understand the, the saying I've gotten out of advertising as folks enter, enter tech, but the skills are the skills are the skills are the skills that you have. I 100% think it's all transferable. Like there's no way I could enter this, this role without having the experience that I've ha I gained in in advertising really and i look fondly upon upon my time in digitas at rga and, and really developing my leadership right through through those organizations yeah i love that and you mentioned leadership i mean i think that i've heard nothing but great things about your leadership style and also people that have worked with you a lot of friends of the show that you probably know whether that's ashley mcgowan or kendra croft or you know candace queen uh queen candace as we call her uh, we have Brandon Hurd on the show this season. Uh, he's starting a new uh, tech company. So shout out to him. Yes. What would you say your leadership style is? My leadership style is coach. I'm a coach all the way through. And like you said, you, I love the cheerleading. Giving us a, you're giving us a little Ted, Ted Lasso. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Mustache and all, man. And I, think about, <laughs> I think about, yeah, just really empowering people. You know, I am a full empower, and, and and if I see an ounce of anything that I could believe in in you as an individual, I'm going to cheer that on because I want to believe that you can do great work, and I want you to believe that you can do great work too. And that is the thing that gets me excited and stands me up. I think about, um, you know, again, the the tenets around my leadership are rooted in also in integrity. Mm -hmm. um, that's a huge value for me. So if anything is falling outside of uh, of of something that is um, within integrity, then I, I question it and I push back hard on it and I make a hard stance. Second to that is again, the balance and making sure that there's balance in the team and the conversation and time spent and allocations and thinking about, uh, grace given in those moments where we're, we're, we're working really hard to get the job done. Yeah. And also, a moment of celebration, right? Like I said, I said empowerment, but empowerment is also different than celebration. You know, people oh, yeah. put in hard work. I'm a pause time to make sure that we celebrate our people who did that. And it's all about. I mean, EJ is the coach, but he knows I'm. He knows I'm not shy of a celebration and have a good time <laughs> at all. At all. <laughs> and so I think I. I mean, I love. I again, I I'm fueled by the people that. Are around me i'm an extrovert through and through and i i'm a double fire sign so i got a lot of like i got i got a lot of energy around me and i love fueling that through my people so yeah, yeah. and speaking of like fueling it through people and you also being a coach ej once again i'm going to say respectfully you're kind of, you're, you're no longer a pup i think you know in this industry ej ej is one of the big dogs now you know what oh, i mean but i nice. think i think <laughs> Obviously, but I think with that being said, and the more that, you know, you grow in your career and the more that you now have been in this industry, and I just say like comms in general of marketing, advertising, PR, tech, I mean, I, you know, I think that you've touched it all. Now that you kind of had that bird's eye view, but now that you see entry level individuals that are like kind of entering the industry, 
Is there anything that you're noticing that those individuals are kind of missing or you're kind of like, uh, I don't know if that's the way you want to go about that. Like, is there anything that you're kind of noticing as a through line? Because, you know, my listeners on this uh, show range from individuals that are just entering the industry to, you know, C-suite executives. So I always try to provide that bird's eye perspective to people that like it's year one for them to where you're like, okay, this is kind of what you should be thinking about. Yeah, I think I think the you know there can be a, per, a perception that you know if this isn't for me, I need to move immediately, mm. and like that that right there, that immediate reactionary point is I I always enter that as like caution, be be cautious when when you when you're there emotionally, right? Um, because were, I'm sorry, really quickly, you were at RGA for was it three years or eight years or uh five five okay yeah i knew it was just something yeah yeah so that's pretty that's pretty good in advertising uh year hello give me my badge (laughs) (laughs) hey i mean listen somebody has to say the thing i'm gonna say the thing but that's amazing but continue you bring up a good point yes you know and like there are multiple i'm not saying that to discount you know any any moments in the work environment that really are uh abhorrent and and really demonstrating poor behavior i'm not talking about those instances i'm talking about the thing that is um that that's tied to like if 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 you still believe that there's an opportunity to grow in in an environment and you still feel that there is an alignment to you and your values there try it out find connections and and draw people into your situation and your problem and you'll be surprised at how much people are willing to help you out through it. You know, yeah. there've been many times where I was just like, I can't be here anymore at RGA, really. And I was like, this this is just above me, above me. But the more I shared that issue with people, the more, and it wasn't just like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. It was like, hey, there's this opportunity and this is what you can do with it. People, yeah. particularly who are more senior than me, showed me a way to leverage my problem into the opportunity, right? And and flip it on its head. And that's how I found growth quickly in RGA through not only my my uh, client work, but also in my roles as I develop skills and experience through that client work, okay? And that gave me familiarity with the business to create and carve out a whole new role uh, within RGA culture and operations to really get into the business in a different way. And so I think about folks who are entering in is again, back to the earlier comment around what's, if I could add a dose to something, is patience, have the patience and let that patience lead you to your discernment. And once you have that discerning idea, then make a move. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I cannot agree with you uh, anymore. I I think that it's spot on, um, especially as I think about you know, my career early on, but what I what I feel has happened in the industry, especially th- with like uh, underrepresented communities and also black and brown communities is that yeah. our voice has hopefully gotten a little bigger to where it's like, we can have that patience because like even of even what you just mentioned of like what you were vocally making like known at RGA, I wouldn't, I would not have even uttered those words. You know what I mean? Because there wasn't a space for me to do that when I was just first entering the industry. However, there was definitely a space for me to get the hell out of there um, as soon as possible and go somewhere else, you know? So um, I have no 
regrets in my career, but if I had if I had to do it over again and I was and I was just starting in 2023, I would mm -hmm. use patience for sure. Uh, and I, I love what you said in terms of, you know, there there wasn't a space for you. It, I think it's there oftentimes there won't be a space for, for yeah, that, that too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That will exist in workplaces. And that's no we still no have to make progress there. Yeah. Make progress. And I th I think about uh the word courage comes to mind, and, and I think you know Dr. Brené Brown was uh, gave a little equation around courage, and she was saying courage is, you know, fear moving in the face of fear, right? That that your courage doesn't mean that you're without it, right? And I in as I reflect on my moments where I was vocalizing my problems and some of the discontent that I may have held in the organization, uh, I was fearful of speaking up no doubt about it because it was the whole uh, context of the environment like what if i get shut down you know i'm i'm coming off what if i come off as this aggressive black man or this sassy queer man like i'm i'm cut on double double ends of the of the of the sword here and i think the 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 thing that i held really strong was like i have to speak up because this this is going to hurt me more than it's going to benefit me if i don't there was a cost associated with that with with being silent and i'm again just incredibly thankful for the folks who opened themselves up to receive and balance me out with with uh perspective and insight that i couldn't hold and find myself yeah definitely i love it appreciate you sharing that so we talked a little bit about i think your career you mentioned a little bit about your personal life and also personal growth but if there's one project that you know when you are sitting at the tech hall of fame one one day or whatever hall of fame you're going to be in i'm sure just invite me just give me a ticket so i could drink champagne what's <laughs> the one project to date that you would want them to show and or talk about uh you know i'm gonna say oprah like always <laughs> Listen, I don't mind an Oprah name drop on my podcast now. Oh we, my are goodness. To, we are we are we are trying to get on a podcast network for anybody listening. So oh, <laughs> let me know if Owen has anything. But yeah, let's talk about that project a little bit. I'm so internally grateful for that project because that the, the project is what gave me my pivot. And that is just whoa, 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 whoa. So context. <clears throat> the the thing that I mean, we were that's kind of, on, I mean, that's kind of a bar right there. Is that if you're looking to if you're looking to make a pivot, look at the project. See, EJ, he, he just he says I, I he just says stuff like that, and it's just like nothing to him. The project made my pivot, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you're mine. But continue. <laughs> thank you, dude. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Um, no, but the the project that I worked on was it was incredibly timely. So this was fall of 2020 and just to set the the context we know that 2020 was also the year that George Floyd was murdered and and at the time as well um Oprah's book club had made a selection for uh cast the origins of our discontents by Isabel Wilkerson and what that book is about is thinking about the the structures of oppression and and how humans design this hierarchy to maintain power and it's not just looking at race or racism, but then there's a layer beneath that, such as caste. And caste is a human condition that extends well beyond the US context, but also across Nazi Germany, for example, or, or India, where caste is most you know, commonly understood or associated with. And that book, being able to work on that book and helping promote that book on behalf of Oprah and her book club was incredibly life-changing for me. I mean, you know, I think 
the for us as a black community when 2020 came through that felt like a second civil rights movement that felt like another fire in the in the context of civil liberties and justice for all truly and i think about being inspired and enraged both by that moment and then landing on that book and reading through the 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 learnings that isabel wilkinson had came to and then being able to work alongside a mega figure like Oprah herself and getting her thoughts and opinions about this book and that pouring into me was incredibly life-changing, incredibly life-changing. And that was, again, I say that project was my pivot because that's when I was like, we need to make structural changes, period, in the light of all this information. And that's when I, I stood up and reached out to, again, where I vocalized my problem in the face of courage. I reached out to RGA's leadership team and I said, this is what I can uniquely do. You know me as a producer, you know me as a, a project manager, you know that I do this this particular job well in terms of operationalizing and driving an idea to yeah. execution, okay? And so I have an idea and let me execute against it and oh. watch it work. And that's what we did. And And I am so thankful for that project because then I was able to make real structural impact in RGA in a meaningful way, giving more voice to the ERGs, partnering with our recruiting team to make sure that our, our processes were were truly equitable, looking at how we did performance reviews. I mean, the whole gambit, the, the world within RGA was the oyster. And thinking about the, again, Oprah's impact by choosing that book as part of her book club and her stating that this is the most important book in her book club is, uh, was revolutionary for me in my career. And I, I can keep talking about it for hours, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, absolutely. I mean, and the name of the book is called The Cast System, right? It's called Cast, Cast. The Origins of Our Discontents. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm like tweaking a little bit. I don't know if the cover is blue, but I feel like I've seen it. Um, so yeah, um, yeah that's, that's good to know. I mean, also too, it makes me think about the it makes me think about our approach internally when it comes to like how how uh, organizations are structured you know meant you having to really advocate to say not only can you you know get an idea to the finish line but you also have an idea i think is really really important how many ideas have you been sitting on ej <laughs> I got so many in the bank. It's I just need to find a way to get it out. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm like, what other ideas are you sitting on? That's my question. Like, you know, what other ideas, you know? Um, but no, I think that that's truly remarkable. Now that you're starting to, you know, um, definitely, obviously, you know, grow within your career, everything that you're doing to date. I think the first time that we first met, you were obviously in the Ad Color Futures program. And I think that you can already kind of see like that level of mentorship how do you find mentorship now in your career at this stage? Oh, yes, that's 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 great. I think it's challenging actually, right? I think there's an assumption that, you know, you may know everything, um, but the answer is, I, like I said, I don't, I really don't. And, you know, I think about mentorship in terms of simply, who do I want to learn from? Who do I want, who do I really want to learn from? Who do I want to model myself uh, after who who inspires me, um, and so I think about uh, um, you know there for me at this stage one thing that I've invested in and it's, it's, it's a real investment is is a coach really hmm. the hiring yeah. of coach and being able to 
you know, I'm thankful to be in a position where I have the resources now to be able to do that. And that is the, that's a truly a gift in, in many ways, because it's taking you know, those informal mentors that I, I had in the background that I still do and still value so deeply. Um, but the being able to invest directly in an executive coach is like, you know, my one-on-one -on -one MBA in a lot of ways, you know, like how am I going to navigate this level of, of dialogue with, with folks who've been in this, been in their seat for, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years longer than I have. Right. So, you know, I'm coming in pretty green in, in a sea of uh, folks who've, who are far more established than I am, right? And I think about that also leads itself to the opportunity to learn from folks as yeah. well. Yeah, beautifully said. Um, and um, yeah, shout out to, we've actually had some amazing coaches on uh, the show as well. Um, both black women, uh, Shamika, uh, who is outstanding and also uh, Ronnie. Ronnie, uh, yeah, we have, have had them. So coaches are important. Um, and a lot of, I, I, it's good to also hear us talk more about coaches that we do have, you know what I mean? Obviously, yes, I think that there is, um, you know, it, it does come down to um, money too, you know, in a lot of cases, but um, the, you'll be surprised that if you do, if you do ask some coaches for, you know, let them know your situation, how open they are, because they are coaches, not to say that you want to take advantage of that situation, but I think if you are open, you know, about that, that's, that's really important. So I appreciate you, definitely appreciate you bringing that up. And, you know, most organizations have a learning stipend as well. Yes, and so yes. that learning stipend can directly go towards an, a, a coach as well. And, a second to that, I think for black and brown folks, sometimes we can have an offense. This is, and I say this being very cognizant of the other side of the coin that I'm talking about, but sometimes we can have an affinity towards aligning or finding folks who look like us as well. Mm -hmm. There is actually a lot of value in finding somebody who doesn't look like you to, to coach you or men mentor you as yeah. well, right? And, and, you know, that also has to come with a sense of psychological safety. You have to trust this person, no doubt about it. You have to make sure that, you know, they're for the people, not just playing with the people. You feel yeah. me? <laughs> so, you know, a grain of salt, a grain of salt. But at the end of the day, I think you, the, when you're thinking about evolving yourself and growing, you want to get a range of perspective. That's really what it's about, getting a range of perspectives so that you aren't uh, funneling yourself or sitting in just this echo chamber or, or bubble if you will, that that reinforces already pre-existing ideas, right? It's all about getting new ideas to generate your thinking and your your critical thinking to evolve your position and um, presence. Yeah, I appreciate that. Beautifully said. You know, one of the things, um, like I said on this show, is that I have a lot of individuals that are mid-level, uh, you know, senior to C-suite executives that are always kind of tuning in to really understand their role and what they can do and. I think so much of that with me comes down to advocacy. I don't think that people realize what it takes to truly be an advocate. Um, I don't even know if you know this story, but you know, um, when when we were even working together briefly with uh, you know the the content team, at color content team that we were building. Uh, shout out to Tiffany R. Warren. But to that standpoint, I was like, act up. Oh man, act. Yes. <laughs> Listen, they say there's a saying that it comes from the leader and then on down. So I, I apologize for my bad influence, but I just, I just, maybe I had too much of a good time. But to that point, I was like, you know, I, I need this thing like organized, you know, like I need like there to be a structure around this. I need help. 
I can't do it. You know, I'm like a creative person, but I can still do a little bit of management, get things done. And it was actually Nisha Tweed who said, you need to get EJ on your team. Wow. Yeah, she said that. She said wow. it. And so to that point, I would love to know your thoughts around what does it truly take to be a, an, an advocate in this industry? I mean, that right there is, it, that's, I did not know that Nisha uh, advocated for me in that way. That's, that is news to me after all these years. That's pretty, I'm gonna send her a note and say, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a nice tweet. And that's, that's what, that's what it looks like, right? Particularly if you're in a position of leadership, it's, it's carrying people's names when they aren't in the room, right? And, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because that's a magical moment because doing, again, that, that work with the Acular content team was one of those transformational works as well. And I think, um, when leaders have the opportunity to leverage their position and power, it, it always, I think they have to index on those who have been marginalized. That's, that's just that. And, um, and encouraging those who may often feel discouraged in a system that isn't designed for them. And I think about, uh, you know, the power of their presence is is actually meaningful so send the note send the thing that's yeah. on your mind send the note um reach out don't be too high in your castle and too away from the people because people want to hear from you um yeah. as, as a leader people really genuinely do care what you're thinking about because then that's going to help inform what they think about right yeah. and i think um we can't undermine the again the the power and presence that leaders have within their organizations with, with the teams under them. It, it, it really goes to model the behavior that you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that is the role, uh, you know, of being an advocate. And I think when so many people are wondering, well, what can I do? And it's like you just you being in the room. So I appreciate you uh, shining a light on that. What was the last great vacation that you went on? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you know, it's crazy is I went down to Mexico for my, my birthday and went down to Cabo and it was just beautiful, beautiful, nice. beautiful. And just stayed at, at this awesome resort and it, it blew my mind. Second to that was, uh, I've been going to Mexico a lot lately. Mexico has been my place. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Trust me. I have a two week vacation coming up, so I'm, I'm taking notes. Yeah. Mexico city, beautiful. One of the most Good beautiful that. places in the world. How is the, how is the, and is it, is it, how is, is it like beach proper there? Like what's, how's the beach? Cause I'm a big beach person. Is it like, Oh, um, Mexico city isn't for you then. Cause it's not okay. really a beach beach, you know, okay. but if you want to go to beach. I did a Turks and Caicos trip, uh, for my, you know, future mother-in-law's birthday. And that, that beach is a beautiful beach. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll take that. Yes. I am a huge goal. Actually, and people can't stand it because when they're with me, they're like, oh, we, we don't go that far out in the water. You know, we don't. We don't <laughs> I'm like all the way out there because I just love the sea and, you know, all that stuff. Shout out to Hallie, by the way, Little Mermaid. Make sure y'all go see it in theaters now. Absolutely. Yeah. And also Disney cut the check. That's another free one. <laughs> oh. We have reached the end of the show, unfortunately. But my final question to you is that if you were to rebuild your foundation today, and I gave you three bricks, and on each brick, you have to put one word to rebuild your foundation to move on for the next 10 years of your career. EJ's probably thinking, Adu, I'm trying to retire in five. 
EJ's like a dude, you can continue. To, I'm out. Not enough. But what three words would you put on each one of those new uh career career building blocks? Wow. Not patience and not joy, but what are those three words? Yeah. The if I had to rebuild, um I don't know. The rebuild is is a provocative question, and it's and, and it's like rattling my brain. The thing that comes to mind, I don't know if I would rebuild from this because I, I believe I have it, but is perseverance, mm-hmm. um, is is definitely a brick that serves as a foundation. Um, like that one, I can't let go of. So I'm going to add perseverance. Um, Perseverance, probably rigor. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Rigor. Um. That's a good one. We'll take it. Rigor. And curiosity. Okay. I was I was hoping you would end with something a little soft, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <'cause> I- <laughs> The perseverance. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like I was in the military, so you know that comes out every (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but rigor, I'm curious. What what made you decide rigor? Is it just so that is it because you know that you know that you have to endure that, or is it yeah, it's the thing that I don't like doing. It's the yeah. thing that, you know, it's, it's the discipline aspect. You know, I, I know I'm disciplined, but I could be a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit of that. Like it's, uh, it, it, it speaks to the, the things in your job that you probably don't like to do, right? Yeah. Like that come with the, with the role. So uh, being more rigorous on those elements, right? Because the things that come easy to me, I just do and spend more time with, right? Yeah, that definitely, definitely makes sense. Final question before you get out of here. Do you miss Texas? Do I miss Texas? I miss the people that I knew in Texas. Now, what's going on in Texas right now? I'm good. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. But, you know, I I am a Texas boy through and through. And that, that sits on my heart. And so, um, you know, there's there's a lot of social issues going on in the state right now. But my family's out there. My some many of my deep, deep good friends are out there, and those are the people that make Texas feel like home to me. Yeah, very, very, very true. I I, I understand that one hundred percent. I'm 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 with you in that capacity. EJ, I cannot thank you enough for coming on A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. For the people listening, I'm sure that they're going to want to stay in touch with you. Now, let me say this. EJ, as open as his heart is, and as well as, you know, he's open to always uh, lending you a word. I mean, because my new thing is make sure that you work on projects that help your pivot. That's that's going to be, that's my EJ. That's that's the new one. That's the quote right there. Um, right. But what's the best way for people to stay in contact with you? Yes, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I look at that frequently and I respond to all messages that come through my inbox. So that's the way to stay in touch. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you once again, my friend, you know, your, your family for life. I'm so proud of you. Um, and thank you all. I appreciate it. 
And thank you all for listening to another episode. Please make sure that you stay safe, drink a ton of water, and remember that you, my friend, deserve a dose of Black joy and caffeine. Until next time, I am Adu.